Hey, good morning. How we doing? Can we get some lights up so I can see these beautiful people's faces? Hey, Bobby. I was talking about you, by the way. <laughs> hey, uh, we're starting a new series today called The Comeback. Okay? And so let me tell you a little about my life, okay? There were three things growing up that were always consistent in my house. First thing was this. My mom always made us go to church. I didn't always like to go to church. If you're being honest today, some of you didn't want to come to church today, but someone made you come. My mom was that person for me, and I'm grateful for that. The second thing that was consistent in my house was that we had mashed potatoes with every meal she cooked. <laughs> because my dad liked mashed potatoes with everything, okay? The third thing that was consistent in my home was that the Dallas Cowboys were to be worshipped. Like everything in our home revolved around when the Cowboys were playing. And, you know, the Cowboys haven't been good for a while. But you guys should be used to that, right? Because the Vols haven't been good for a while. Either. But anyway, there are some memories that are, that are just etched in my brain about Dallas Cowboy games and comebacks. Okay, if I say the word to you, Staubach, what do you hear? Huh? Somebody said what? Roger, but most of you heard Starbucks probably, <laughs> right? Because you don't know who this guy is. But this was my favorite player growing up. Thanksgiving, 1974, at my grandma's house in Henderson, Texas. Cowboys playing the Redskins. How many of you were alive at this point? Most of you were not. Okay, 1974 Thanksgiving. I remember the meal, but I remember the game because the meal stopped because of the game. Roger Staubach gets knocked unconscious in the third quarter. We're down 16 to 3. And they bring in a rookie who has never played a game, never played a play in the NFL. Anybody know his name? No. Anybody? I'm like in a room full of aliens. You don't know this story? His name was Clint Longley. Clint Longley. He comes in and he leads them all the way back. First he throws a touchdown pass to a tight end named Billy Joe Dupree. Anybody remember that name? Yeah? I got you, Wayne. With 28 seconds left, he finds number 88 for the Dallas Cowboys. His name was Drew Pearson for a winning touchdown. Biggest comeback in the history of the Cowboys at the time. It's crazy. Thanksgiving Day, Cowboys, Redskins, now it's the Washington football team. You can't say that name anymore. But sorry about that. Next year, 1975, divisional playoffs. Cowboys, Vikings. Guess where my family was? All in front of the TV, because that's where you had to be. 32 seconds left. Roger Starbucks, Staubach, is back. He throws another 50-yard pass to number 88, who is still Drew Pearson. And they win the game. That's where, have you ever heard the term Hail Mary in football? You know, when you throw the, the, the last pass? That's where it came from. 
from that game. Two beautiful memories from my childhood. But life's not all good, is it? January 3rd, 1993. I had converted from my family religion to a different religion. And I was now a Houston Oilers fan. <laughs> January 3rd, 1993, Sunday afternoon. Baby Cody is one year, one year old, a little more. He's napping. I'm watching this game. It's glorious. The whole first half, we are kicking tail. It's 28 to 3 at halftime. After halftime, one of the first plays that happens is a pick six, and we go up 35 to 3. It's glorious. Angie's like, shh, he's sleeping. And I don't care. It was that good. But the Bills were the home team that day. And the home team didn't give up, even though it seemed like there was no way that they could win. Their, their quarterback, Jim Kelly, was hurt. Kenzie, this is killing Kenzie right now. You know why? She hates sports analogies. And I decided to just do the whole thing in sports today, okay? I'm almost done with that. Their quarterback was hurt. They had a backup quarterback named Frank Wright. Nobody thought they could win. They come all the way back and crush my soul and win 41 to 38 in overtime. And I'm thinking, God has left the building. That's, that's what I'm thinking, okay? But you know what? Sometimes the home team wins, even when you think there's no chance. Guys, let me tell you this today. You are the home team. You are the home team. We are the home team, and no matter what the world says, we're going to win. Okay? We are going to win. There is going to be a comeback, and it is time. Open your Bibles to the book of Joel. The book of Joel. It's probably where you've been spending your whole small, your, your, your quiet time all week, you know, just in the book of Joel. It's really, really short, but there's something here for us. There's something here for the church. And we're going to be looking at it the whole month of August, okay? It's a story about a home team. And the home team is the nation of Israel. And they're losing. They're losing bad. I mean, the nation is on the verge of collapse. Everything that could be going wrong has been going wrong. Do you feel like that every, every once in a while? I mean, as you look at the world in which we live right now, do you ever feel like, what, what next? What's... What else? Could, don't ask that question, by the way. But do you feel that way? There's a comeback on the way. And we're going to look at it for the next four weeks. We're going to just look at the first 15 verses of Joel chapter 1. And I want to bring four, just four spiritual truths out of this passage. And that's all I've got for you today, okay? Are you ready? When we look at the Old Testament... We're not looking for promises, okay? We're looking for principles. Because all the promises of Jesus are better in the New Covenant than, in, than the Old Covenant, okay? So as we look at this, we're looking for principles that apply to us today. Okay, this is, this is what the Word says. 
the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Bethuel. Hear this, you elders. Give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in all your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. Guys, how many of you do you think 20 years from now we'll be talking about 2020 and 2021? All the things about life that have changed that will never be the same. Yeah, they might get back to a normal, but it's a new normal. Don't forget, tell your children to tell their children and their children and the next generation. Because what we are seeing is worth repeating, okay? Look at verse 4. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. I don't really study bugs much, but in my limited research, I think there are over a over hundred different species of locusts. Okay? These are only four. And I don't know if, if Joel was being literal about different kinds of locusts or just different waves of locusts. But I think the truth for us today is, yeah, there was, there was a pandemic. And then there's personal crisis. There's isolation. There's political division. Do you see what I'm saying? Wave after wave after wave after wave. And you never know what the next wave is going to do. But it gets worse, right? I think that's the truth for us today. Um, I don't know what your wave is right now. But I know everyone that I talk to seems to be in crisis of some kind. You know why? Because we all have the same enemy. We all have the same enemy prowling and crouching and looking to devour. And we've gone through one corporately together. And isolation is a tough one. But personally, what's it done to you? How's your soul? How are you feeling on the inside? Wave after wave after wave. And what the first wave doesn't try to destroy, the next one does. And it seems like you're losing. It seems like there's no hope. So the first truth I want you to hear today is just recognize the reality. That's, that's how life is. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But I've come that you might overcome the world. Recognize the reality, but don't give in to it and think it's permanent. Because it's not. The second truth I want you to see in this is that there's a call to wake up. To remember. Wake up and remember it's not all about you. Never has been. See, some of us have bought into this idea that you're the hero of your story. 
Guys, if you're the hero of your story, it's not going to be a great story. You have a hero. The story is about him and how you help tell his story. Remember, it's not all about you. There's been pain in every generation. I kind of made a list. It's not all-inclusive, okay? So let me say that. But anybody heard of the bubonic plague? I was really afraid of saying the word bubonic in public, but I think I got it out there. The, the Black Death, it was back in the 1300s, killed millions of people. You think they had, thought they had it bad back then? What about the slave trade throughout all of history? People going from one country to another country, like Ghana, Africa, and, and shipping people off as property and selling them. And then right here in our own country, our country was founded like this was okay. Those were not great times. Spanish flu of 1918. You probably heard of this because it was the, the last worst thing before Corona. It's, we, we are not unique to pain or suffering. What about the Great Depression? Anybody ever watch the Waltons? Jim Bob? John Boy? Can you name them all? I don't think I can. There was, there was Mary Ellen and Aaron and anyway. You remember those days? Can you imagine living day to day wondering if you can afford enough food for the day? Guess what? There are people all over the world right now living the same way. The Great Depression. World War I. The, the war to end all wars. Guess what? That didn't work. World War, War II. The Holocaust. Millions and millions of people killed just because of the way they were born? Guys, you don't have it so bad. It's throughout history. What about living in Hiroshima when somebody drops a bomb and kills everyone? Apartheid in South Africa. Child soldiers in Cambodia. Tsunamis washing out almost a complete nation and on and on and on and on. Does that mean God's not good? No. It just means that this world is broken, but Jesus came to make all things new. It doesn't mean there's not going to be suffering, but it means that in the midst of suffering, He's big enough. So right now, I don't know what your wave is that's washing over you, that makes you think this is hopeless. There's a comeback coming. You're the home team if you're with Jesus. And you win in the end. You just have to hold on. It's going to be this way until the very last days. Hear this. Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 through 8. Jesus says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, 
kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, earthquakes, in various places. And all these are but the beginning of birth pains. Do you ever watch the news? Isn't that the news? Like pretty much every day, something like that is busting loose. But hear this, no matter how bad the news gets, he's bigger, he's better, he's faithful, he always has been, and he always will be. And there is a response. And the response always starts with this. Us corporately and you individually. And Cody just sang about it. Repent. Repent. Listen to what the, the Word says. Starting again in verse 5. Awake, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For, the nation, for a nation has come up against my land, powerful beyond number. Its teeth are lion's teeth, and it has fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vine, splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. Lament. Be sorrowful like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed, the ground mourns because the grain is destroyed, the wine dries up, the oil languishes. Be ashamed, O tillers of the, of the soil. Wail, O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine dries up, the fig tree languishes, the pomegranate, palm, and apple, all the trees of the field are dried up. Does this sound like a happy story? I mean, everything they valued was gone. All the gladness dries up from the children of man. And here is the response. See, that's the awakening part. Wake up, notice it, but realize what, what's really real and what we're supposed to do about it. Verse 13, put on sackcloth and lament, O priest. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Go in and pass the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God, because the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. See, they couldn't even worship because their whole worship system was based on these sacrificial offerings, grain offerings and drink offerings. Imagine... Okay, I know. Are there, be honest. Are there times you come into church and you feel like you've got nothing to offer? Like you feel like I'm just, this is, this is me. And that's all i got to offer. That was their whole nation. Everything they'd been taught about God relied on them bringing grains and drinks and animals in to sacrifice to, the, to their God. And they couldn't do it. Because it was all gone. When you think you have it bad... Remember, other people have had it worse, and perspective is powerful. Here's the response. Verse 14. Consecrate a fast. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is near. And as destruction comes from the Almighty, it comes. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn 
assembly. Guys, repentance, recognizing in your life, what are the locusts in your life? Yeah, maybe it's not bugs. I mean, it's the year of the cicada, right? They haven't eaten anything at my house. They're, they're kind of noisy. I kind of like it. But no, nothing's coming and eating up things at my house. But what about my soul? What about in your soul? What are the things in your life that just keep coming over you, wave after wave? Is it depression? Anxiety? Addiction? Relationships? What is it? You know the thing about the beach is that the waves just keep coming, don't they? Like it seems like they never stop. And that's what this life is like. But how many of you like the beach? It's beautiful as long as you're not getting knocked over by the waves. What are the waves that are just attacking your soul today? And what part do you have to play in that? Are there things in your life that... There's all kinds of things you can't control, right? But there are things you can control. What are those things? What are those locusts? What are the things that you think you need, but you really don't need? What are the things that you really do need? What are the things that you are chasing after versus just being washed over by? Those are questions you have to ask yourself. I have to ask myself. Guys, this has been a tough season for so many people. But there's a comeback coming. And it's time for the church to come back. But the church is never going to come back if the church isn't willing to repent individually and corporately. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Guys, you know what I find interesting about this passage? Is that Joel calls them to a fast. But they didn't have any choice. All the food was gone. All the drinks were gone. It's not like they could keep on just feasting. Guys, don't just fast because you have to. He's calling us to fast and cry out to Him. Are we willing to? I think there's another truth here. Call a, a solemn assembly. Call everyone together. Maybe it's, it's possible. Maybe it's even the only way we get out of where we are is that if we do it together. Maybe you can't do it on your own. Maybe you need the accountability of people with you striving for the same thing. Here's my question. In a, in a year and a half of isolation, how good a job have you done Staying in community with people that challenge you spiritually. I mean, honestly, as a church, it's been difficult. It's been difficult to, to, to create these environments where people feel safe together. But guys, it's time for a comeback. It's time to not live in fear anymore. If you're watching me online today and you're still afraid of being in this room, it is time to come back. 
It's time for a comeback. Which leads to my fourth point. First one, just in case you missed it, was recognize the reality. Second one, wake up, remember. Third one, repent. My last point is this, re-engage. It's time to re-engage. You see, I already talked about it in the Old Testament. Everything they needed to actually worship, to make themselves right before God was taken away. But in the New Testament, we have a different rule. What does the New Testament say? It says, present your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. Guys, are you ready to re-engage? Start presenting yourself again? What if everything normal was taken away from you when it comes to worship? What if we couldn't come here, there, were, there was no band, there was no music, there was no preaching, it was just you and God? What would worship look like for you? Guys, when I think of re-engaging, let me put it in really simple terms, okay? I think a lot of the time, most of the time, we live our lives on autopilot. We just, you know, it's like we push the button and life just takes us and we just do the same things over and over again. Is it just me? Let me ask you a question, okay? When you put your belt on in the morning, if you wear a belt, do you go right to left or left to right? Do you put it in this way or that way? Have you ever even thought about it? Have you? Somebody please answer me. It's, you, go, you go left to right. I'm a left to right guy, okay? But I don't know what you do. How is that? Is that normal? That's normal, okay. Are there any right to lefters? Okay, okay, okay. So, apologize. You just don't think about so many things in life. You just do them. When you put your shoes on, which one do you put on first? I kind of just jump into both of them at the same time. What about uh, toilet paper? Does it roll from the top or the bottom? Why? So, hey, as long as it's there, right? When you brush your teeth, do you start on one side every time or the other? Like, you do this first? Yeah. Ah. Okay. Hey, I'm not hating. That's just a different approach. But, you know, think about all the things you do in your life that you don't give any thought to. It's just the way you do it. Guys, has it become that way with you and Jesus? That you just, you don't know why you do it the way you do it? You just do it the same way and you don't think about it. Maybe it's time to start thinking about it. Thinking about why you pray, when you pray, how you pray, how you engage Him, how you seek Him, how you follow Him, how you try to engage in community. Maybe it's time for the church to re-engage. Because it's time for a comeback. And it's going to take that. It's going to take taking your life off whatever you... Feel like it's been normal for your whole life, maybe. 
and thinking about it. I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong. Do you hear me say that? I'm saying think about why you do what you do when it comes to Jesus. It's time for a comeback. We're going to be talking about it all month long. Pray with me. Father, I think there are some timeless truths in this, pas- in this passage that we're going to have trouble. Times are going to look dark sometimes, but you've always been faithful. You've always been true. You always will. All your promises are yes and amen. Even today. But you challenge us to wake up. To wake up from whatever this world has lured us into. Wake up and repent. Take ownership of our own stuff. And that we need each other. We need to come together. We need to re-engage. We need a solemn assembly. We need to fast because we want to, not just because we have to. We need to wake up and think about all you've done for us, your faithfulness, your goodness. And let it call us to a response of gratitude. God, I'm praying for your church to come back. It might seem like we're losing in uh, in a lot of ways, but we're not going to lose. There's a comeback on the horizon. Let us be a part of it. Actively a part of it as we watch you do what you do and invite us into it. And that's my prayer. And all God's people said, let's worship and respond.